WGIF. It's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer, TGIF, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. Very glad to be there. Glad to have you with us and glad to be working once again. It's Friday, therefore it must be bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. How are you today, sir? Woo, doing very well. Oh, thank you. Oh, please, please. Oh, stop. Please, for me? Oh, you're too kind. That that's a lovely round of applause, but it won't be long before Benny Mathers will have it loaded in the system if he has not done so already. And his war cry will be, "Release the Kraken!" Oh my God, I'm so excited! <laughs> I, I'm so Ben's excited. looking at me like, "What in the world are you talking about?" The new Seattle NHL expansion team, which won't be playing this coming year, but the year following, they are going to be the Seattle Kraken. Yes, that is terrific. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you'd like it, that's for sure. And he surprised me with that today. I didn't know about that. How wonderful. One of the principal executives in the in the organization looked at the logo and it was this very fancy S slithery S there for Seattle. And because they were going to be known as the, it will be known as the Kraken. He looked at it and he said, it needs an eye. So so he put this evil red eye in there, but it's perfect because the Seahawks kind of work that way too. And I have, did you even look at the anchor, what they did with the anchor? No. Oh, look at the anchor part of the logo. Now there's some hidden, there's some hidden meaning in there too. Oh, my goodness. Yep. A mystery already, and they haven't even dropped the puck on the ice yet. Well, that is fascinating. But they've sold a a boatload of tickets, that's for sure. They are sold out for the season tickets. I'm so Incredible. I've been saying for 20 years, why doesn't the NHL put a team in Seattle? I used to talk to you about that, Suzanne. I mean, it's perfect, a perfect hockey town. What's going on here? And regionally, you've got these rivalries waiting for you. So, like, what I'm con- not concerned with or, or curious about, like, the Kraken, of course, we know it's like a legendary, ce- what is it, cephalopod-type sea monster. What kind of a sound legendary, would that make? Yes. Yeah, legendary. What kind of sound would that make? I'm, I'm thinking a screech. Yeah. Like a 20,000 <laughs> not- Leagues Under the Sea type thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope not, because you don't want it to be one of those wimpy voices like, Sir, sir, I'm entitled to the bike lane. <laughs> Gary. The Seattle Kraken, damn it. Excuse me. Live Out of it. the way, please. Oh. <laughs> Today, it is our great pleasure to talk with Vincent Jenna, MSW. He's one of those guys with letters after his name, which he earned. He is fully credentialed, but he's so much more than, I won't say merely, but social work is what he does for a living, in addition to which he has made his bones and made a very nice reputation for himself internationally as the tell-it-like-it-is, truly authentic spiritual teacher and psychic therapist. Vincent combines his extraordinary psychic abilities, academic credentials, and genuine all-loving approach to provide healing for body, mind, and spirit. As a psychic therapist, Vincent uses his more than 36 years of training, research, and experience in the metaphysical, psychology, and spiritual fields to dive deep into your psyche, releasing blockages, resistances, and self-sabotaging beliefs and behaviors so that you can fulfill the life of your dreams. That's a full plate. Let's get started by digging in with our good buddy, Vincent Jenna. Vincent, so glad to have you back. 
Well, wait a minute. I'm waiting for it. Wait. wait. Release the Kraken. No. <laughs> Release. Benny got all the applause. Hey, Benny, share some. Oh, he needs some applause. <laughs> oh my goodness! I can't believe that. Wow. Oh, well, you know what? We're, we're going to have to. We'll have to hire a best grip. Your hockey team that he totally forgot about your guest. Okay, Benny. I get it. I see what's important to you. A puck. Okay, that what's is what's important. And yes, the Krakens, and the Krakens would sound like Godzilla. Not a screech. Yes. You know, you got a male kraken there, Suzanne. You know, so we got some hefty stuff here. Godzilla came from the water. Yes, he did. Ah. It's radioactive water where he came from. That's how he could breathe fire and his eyes would glow. And he took out Tokyo. Stomp, stomp, stomp. There you go. We got some radioactive water over here. You know, matter of fact, I think that radioactive water has been making its way through the United States with all the craziness that's been going on here. Well, on many levels, too. I mean, politically, it's there to be seen, that's for sure. And that's before you even get to the weather, which is really going to have its way with different parts of the country this weekend. It's just wild out there. And I think yeah. you're getting the uh, RNC back again. The RNC? Yeah, it, they, uh, they decided not to do the Republican National Convention in Jacksonville. It's canceled. Oh. Well, I, yes, I know they canceled it. Well, wait a minute. I didn't hear the news that it was supposed to be coming back here. We got rid of that. Yeah. Apparently well, in Charlotte, you're going to have something. the delegates show up, and there will be some sort of festivities not as grand as was proposed because Jacksonville just couldn't handle it. The, the preparation was not there. And finally, the sheriff of Jacksonville said, no, you guys can't do this. These are Republicans <laughs> saying that's just not going to work. We're not ready. We can't accommodate this safely. And so now the focus shifts back to North Carolina, your neck of the woods, Vincent. Well, he's going to be in for a great disappointment because it ain't opening up any much more over here. So it'll be a very small convention, just as it should be. We don't need any more negativity. What you see happening in the in the weather, and this is proof of it. And people, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. If if humans do not get into their heads that their attitudes and their actions feed into a big giant energy pool that surrounds this planet, they they are going to create such incredible chaos and destruction because that's where these storms are coming from. We are feeding into them. And so you will take, just like I said earlier this year, uh, because there was going to be a plague, and I said, anybody who has a cold, it'll be a pneumonia, right? Anybody who has a pneumonia, it'll be worse than that. You can't breathe. Well, it's the same thing. If we're supposed to get a little rain, it's going to turn into monsoon, you know, um, hurricane weather. And it, it's because of the energy. And and I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to sound like a Debbie Downer here or anything like that. I'm trying to get people to understand their power. And they have great power. And, and what they can do to destroy the world and ourselves, we can rebuild it and make it better than what it was before. But they've got to understand their connection. And they don't. They really don't. I definitely agree with you, Vincent. Suzanne, did you wish to opine on this subject? I was thinking about horror movies 
uh, sometimes when you see those uh, horror movies about um, about poltergeists, somebody comes out at the end of the movie and says that it was all the negativity of that teenage son or daughter that created all the poltergeist activity. And so that's why, how I'm relating to what you're saying about the energy that we're all putting out there, Vincent. If, if you can get a poltergeist from one teenager, what can you do with millions of people who are scared and acting out? Okay, I, I'll tell you what you can do with it because it's been written in history purposely to give us a message. And that was the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. All the stories in the Bible were not just historical accounts of some some accounts of history and some people, but what they did is they used the stories to send a metaphysical and metaphorical message to us. So in other words, it wasn't God that was coming down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. It was the power of the source that we are tapped into and we were destroying what? ourselves, okay? Um, uh, so, so the problem is we have to pay attention to then our spiritual nature or just our human nature. So what you saw in Sodom and Gomorrah was everybody's negativity that was going on, and they were feeding into the self-destructive power and force that we have. Like I said, you can use it for positive or you can use it for negative. So they were getting a message, okay, so that what happened? The angels came down and grabbed Lot, who happened to be a spiritual person, and said, listen, go to your town, and if you can get 11 people, if you can wake up 11 people spiritually, you will save the town from being destroyed, okay? And so Lot went and his family went and do, to try to do that, and they couldn't wake up. Nobody cared. They were saying, Lot, you're crazy. So then the angels came back and said, well, listen, if you get nine, all right, there may be some earthquakes and there may be some lightning bolts coming down and some fires, but at least you won't completely destroy yourselves, okay? Go get nine. He couldn't even get nine. And the angels said, well, hightail it out there because, out of there because forget it. You're, 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 I, we can't do anything. You guys can't do anything. And don't look back. Otherwise, you'll turn to stone yourself because you remain connected to that negativity, right? So we know the story, right? He got out of there. And of course, unfortunately, his wife looked back, turned to stone. Um, but the point was, he was there, that story was about critical mass. Critical mass can reverse everything negative on this planet if we have enough people. One of the reasons why I'm so motivated to do my work, and I appreciate you two so much for allowing me to put my work out there, is because as soon as we can reach a critical mass of spiritually awakened people, and I'm not talking that you have to be all these gurus and, and everybody has to be like Jesus, I'm talking just have a more positive, compassionate, caring, loving heart, and we can reverse what is happening. But the signs are, and I'm going against any of my colleagues who are in that my field that want to think everything is getting better, it is not. It's going in reverse. It's getting worse instead of better. And we have to wake up. We have to wake up soon. We don't have to care, actually, because there really is no death. The souls continue afterwards. But man, what a waste and what all the suffering that we'll be creating in between. You know what I mean? Well, I do know what yeah. you mean, Vincent. And I'm very curious to know from your own point of view and working with 
a wide-ranging clientele with your psychic healing work, your spiritual teaching, but as a master's in social work as well. What is it about the American political landscape that has delivered to us such a negative culture where it is truer than not on any given day that we are very seriously fractured in this country. And before long, if we're not careful, we're going to be at really kind of a continental divide between people going this way or going that way. And they're not talking to each other. They're shouting at one another. Gary, that's an excellent question, and I'm going to answer that by saying you are not seeing anything different. This political structure was not created. It's the result of who we've been all along. Society dictates and creates the political structure. The political structure never dictates the society. All you need, then, is a person to come in and speak for the societal norms. And unfortunately, what you've got leading our country right now is what everybody else has been holding within them. I have had friends, and I'm sorry I even said I had these types of friends, that had exactly the view, totally racist, totally bigoted, totally prejudiced, but I was teaching them. They were working with me. They were trying to open up their hearts. They even went through physical experiences with their children, which were changing their minds. Then what happened is I stepped out of the picture and other negative people stepped into the picture and re-inflamed that anger and that negativity with inside of them. And so you are not seeing anything new. You're seeing everything that's been hit we have been fractured for hundreds of years. It, the Civil War didn't fracture us. We came to the Civil War because we were already fractured. We came to having slaves because we were fractured. Before that, we were fractured from other people on the other side of the continent and, and in Europe, right? We fractured off from the King George people. If we take away the political structure and just view the human structure, it's never been different. It's never been different. That's why six million Jews were able to be killed. That's why thousands of Jews were enslaved and built the pyramids. There was always this group and that group. And it was the people, and here's why life is black or white. You are either walking the path of light or you're walking the path of darkness. And there's your political structure right there. We call it by different names, but it doesn't matter because look at how everybody is acting under those names. The label doesn't matter. The behaviors and choices do matter. See what I mean, Gary? Yes, I, I do see. It gives me pause too, Vincent, because it's pretty hard to get that genie back in the bottle. And when I say that, I'm referring particularly to the case in which we find ourselves now, or the bottle in which we find ourselves, three dynastic families at the top of the American economy, three socioeconomic dynamos, control as much wealth as the bottom 50% of the citizenry. That is going to be very difficult to turn around if it can be done at all. And I sure hate to sound like a pessimist, but I just wonder, and, and take a look at the budget deficit now, take a look at the national debt. Who's going to pay that bill? 
I hope it isn't going to come out of your Social Security check or mine. You know the interesting thing about that, that Gary? None of that matters. We had a, a, we, we had a pharaoh that was in charge of the land, and he was one family with all the power and the money. And then we had kings after that in charge of the land. And then we had emperors. We've had rulers. We've always had that control and that, that small population owning most of the money. So therefore, if you look through history and you include all of that, then working on trying to change that political structure, which people have been doing since the beginning of the structure thousands of years ago, and it's not working, means that we're working on the wrong thing. You don't work on trying to change the structure. You try to change the internal core that created that structure. And that is the internal beliefs of people. And you start one by one. We want to change the way it looks right now, whether it be in the United States or any other country in the world. You're not going to be able to do it. I don't care how many people you have of voting. I don't care which political leader you get into office. Nothing is going to change until our spiritual beliefs change. And the more we keep separating them from our lives, and we look at our lives as being, well, there's the spiritual side, but then there's the physical side, and then there's the political side, and then there's the business side. No, there's not. There's one side. There's one soul. There's one side. There's, there's many choices. And so we have to get our nature straight and straightened out before we can change the top. And it's, it's a real waste of incredible energy trying to change it. We've been doing it. And we will always. Jesus himself said to Judas when, when Mary Magdalene was using very expensive oil to wash Jesus's feet. And Judas turned around and said, Jesus, that bottle of oil could feed so many poor and hungry people. And Jesus looked at him and smirked and said, Judas, there's always going to be poor people. And the reason being is because of the way we've set it up. And maybe, Gary, maybe we intentionally set it up just to get us to try to do something, to try to care about our neighbors, to try, because it actually is in the choice that you make, not the outcome that's important in this life. It doesn't matter that we're going to stop abuse, but to stand up for it, that's what matters. It may not ever be that that black people are going to be treated equal, but that doesn't matter. What does matter is that we're trying to do something to change that. That was also a philosophy of Eastern Indian. Um, they in India they had created what was called the caste system, which was an unbelievable system. We tend to think of that country as being so spiritually minded because we thought meditation came from there. Oh, they must know so much more. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They were terrible. 
Um, they would look at people, and if you were born in a poor family, they said, but sorry, that's your karma. You can never change that. If you were born in a rich family, that's your karma. Don't need to change that. So that was the caste system. They kept you where you were born because that's they believe that's where you were meant to be. They never thought that one day when they're walking down the block and they see a poor man drowning in the lake next to them, and they turned around and they said, well, sorry, poor guy, that's his karma, that maybe their karma was to jump in the lake and try to save the poor man. They never thought of that. But that is where the spiritual understanding is. We are our brother's keepers, and it's in the choice of trying to help that actually matters more than the outcome, Gary, more than the outcome. So whether we change this all or not, and what century that may happen, doesn't matter, as long as we keep understanding what's important in life and we make the choices because of that motivation because I care, not because I don't care. I care about myself, I care about my brother and sister. I care about human values, I care about equality. And until we make those choices, you're gonna to continue to see the chaos you see now. Does this have to do, when you're saying the outcomes don't matter, Vincent, is this having to do not so much with how things play out in the world, but our own soul's growth? Is that what I hear you saying? Soul and, and experience. Your experience, the, the outcome of your experience is not as important. It's gonna be there, right? Outcomes will always occur. Right. But what matters are the choices you make first. That's what matters, because those choices are gonna guide the outcome. So if you're making the better choices, you're, rest, you're assured, you're insured that the outcome is gonna be more positive. But if you keep making the lower choices, you're also insured the outcome is gonna be negative. So therefore, don't pay attention to the outcome. Pay attention to the choices that you need to make in order to get the outcome you want. You know, where, where we started out with was the whole planet. We've actually gone from big down to small and rather from than from small to big. We talked about the energy of the entire planet right now and what is going on. And I'm wondering if your the choices that we make as individuals will eventually create that that uh, final straw, that tipping point where things actually do change, but, when people like me or a lot of other people say, well, I can't change the world. No, you can't, but you can change yourself and you can change your choices. So are you thinking that in making our everyday choices, the ones that we can control, that that can actually move things forward? I am going to go greater than that. And I don't want to sound like I'm disagreeing but I want to clarify, you absolutely can change the world. And we can know that just by a small example. The person you smile at today is gonna to smile at another person. And that person may be in control of a military. 
And, and that smile gives him a better attitude as to how to control the military or push a button. You see what I mean? The connection that one person has that can link to all over the world just by the reaction. So that is just on a physical level and a psychological level. But now on a spiritual, energetic level, okay, this is a concept that's really hard to understand, but I can use... I can use uh, virtual reality, actually, as an understanding. There's, there's one thing about holograms. If anybody understands holograms, which is a wonderful new science, right? We have games that are holograms. Um, we see in movies holograms, right? But they're really, they're real. The one thing about a hologram, which is amazing, say you got a hologram of an apple. You can take a slice of that apple in the hologram, move it to a different location now, and the entire apple now appears from that one slice. That is actually used in quantum physics to try to explain that every single human being, every single soul on this planet, not only is the individual soul, but is the entire universe. So when I say that you can affect the world by your attitudes and belief, yes, I am saying you are feeding into the world. You are feeding into that energy pool. When you take a breath of oxygen right now, isn't it the same exact oxygen that a Japanese person is breathing in on the other side of the globe? It may be tainted with some other aromas and scents based on their area, but it's the same oxygen. They don't have their own compartment of atmosphere. And the same thing goes for energy. The same energy that you are feeling right in your place, right in your home, right in your seat, right now, wherever you are, that same energy that you are affecting is part of the greater global energy. And they prove that scientifically because an event that happened not too long ago in our history, there are satellites circling the world, the globe, that the United States put up. And the satellite actually measures positive energy that is traveling around the globe, part of the Earth, in other words, the Earth's positive energy. That's what it's measuring every day. And they had noticed that there was a tremendous spike in that energy on one particular historic day. And that was 10 minutes after the first plane hit into the Twin Towers on 9-11 and everybody started praying. They then began a science from that understanding and a global coherence initiative to show that humans affect the energy of the earth, totally. They even believe that your heart, the heart has a mind of its own and its own energy field because that is where the source of energy came from. And it's the same exact energy that is around the earth. They have measured it the exact same way. So every time we become angry, we are affecting the earth's energy. Every time we become happy, we're affecting the earth's energy. We affect each other. We don't think we have that great effect on each other, but we do. People are getting sick, not just because of their own biological issues or what they're manifesting for themselves, but what their neighbor is helping to manifest for them too.
because of their negative energy that they're being fed with. So, Suzanne, absolutely, we can change the world. And like I said, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is based on how many do you need to change the entire globe. For Sodom and Gomorrah, it was only 11 people. I don't know what the population was then. Maybe it was 1,000 people in the city, and you only needed 11 of them in order to, to stop the negative energy. But I can tell you now, with 8.2 billion people on the face of the Earth, we need a lot more than 11 people. We got that already. But apparently, we don't have enough, but we don't need everyone, because we can change and affect this globe and world and, and life and planet and everything, each other, by everything we do on an individual basis every single day of our lives. Now, wouldn't that make sense if there is a divine being, and it created all of this and created us, wouldn't it make sense it would set it up that way? So that way, number one, we understand the importance of who we are and our power, and number two, the importance of who each other is. Wouldn't it set it up that way? If you were God, wouldn't you have created it that way? <laughs> well, if I were God, I'm afraid I would still be stuck in my groove of being an angry Jehovah, so you don't want to rely on me. <laughs> I've got a list. I get it. I get it. That's for sure, Gary. I got it. And that is very funny. But yeah, you're right. Okay, so forget it. It's a good thing that you're not God then. <laughs> That's right. I say that every day and so does the rest of the planet. Uh, Vincent, we need to take a break now. It's our one and only break of the hour. Vincent okay. Jenna is our guest. To say he's fun to talk to is an understatement. We are getting philosophical, we're getting political, we're getting socioeconomic, but it's all about the energy. I apologize because I'm so caught up in this conversation, I'd like to follow through, see where the through line of this thread is going conversationally. So we won't be taking calls today. We put it out that we were going to do that. I would like to save that for the next time that Vincent Jenna joins us on air. He's very good at what he does, and we're hearing that conversationally now. So uh, with your kind permission, I think we will stick in that groove, Jehovah or otherwise. Give us a couple of minutes. We're Manson Mitchell, and we will talk some more about the power of energy on a planetary level when we come back to Manson Mitchell. And you're tuned into the home of Alternative Talk in Seattle, and we're mighty glad you're here. This is AM 1150. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 a.m. or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. 
Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. High school sports are as American as apple pie. And going to a game or meet is a chance to see the stars of tomorrow shine today. But as anybody who's ever attended a high school sporting event in Washington knows, you can't have the stars without the stripes. High schools are currently looking for new officials in almost every sport. Who looks good in stripes? Anybody looking for a way to stay connected to a sport they love. If you like the idea of giving back to your community while earning a few extra bucks, chances are you'd look good in stripes too. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. No officials means no games. No stripes means no stars. And what kind of America would that be? Washington needs more high school officials. Go to highschoolofficials.com to sign up or learn more. That's highschoolofficials.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Vincent Jenna, celebrity medium and metaphysical teacher who has a lot to say about living spiritually even in the most challenging times. On Saturday, Malia Jacobs shares her philosophy of the good life as she can attest from a wealth of experience. Undergoing leads to overcoming. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Vincent Jenna. Vincent, we're having such a great conversation with you, and I know people are going to want to look into what it is that you're all about. So where can they find you in the cyber world? Venice, yes. They can come to vincentjenna.com. That's G-E-N-N-A. That links them to everywhere else. Of course, I have Facebook, Instagram. I do Facebook live events. But they can also listen to me because I'm a host of a Unity radio show every Wednesday at noon Eastern. But guess what now that I'm doing that I've been invited to do? And this is really exciting. There is a gentleman who has a very large streaming platform, and he's got his, his he likes to focus on 55 and older people. And he's asked me to be the host of a Zoom television show. And we get to name it the Back Nine, the Back Nine, um, which is in reference to golf, which means the Back Nine holes are the best holes, right, of, of the of golf game. And so, so I'm going to be talking with people on how to make a great life, how to have the best years of your life to come, still fulfilling dreams and purpose and your uh, better health. So we're doing that whole uh, television show, and that's coming out, going to be aired August 4th is going to be the premiere of that. So I'm really excited about that. And so come join us, even though you're younger than that. And can, where can people make that connection? If they go to vincentjenna.com, will there be a way to find out or get the information about the TV program? Yes, they will. They absolutely will. There'll be okay. a link there and everything. My Facebook page will have it. So, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Okay. And they should do that, too, because you're a handsome guy. Oh, listen to you. <laughs> I love that. I'm a little older, but, uh, yes. You know, Photoshop does wonderful things. And did you happen to see on Facebook my last posting one of those games? It said, what are you going to look like at 100? Yes. Well, this 
unbelievable burly built guy came up and I was like, holy cow, I don't even look like that now. I can't wait until I'm 100 if I'm going to look like that. There. You know, I'll tell you what, I, I do have an opinion about that, not about what you're going to look like at 100. You'll look terrific, I'm sure. I don't think you're going to look like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that was another one, right? I'm going <laughs> to, all of a sudden, unless I'm on really heavy steroids, I, I'm not, how do I get a body like that? And that was another one. This is what, this is what celebrity you look like. And it was, it was yeah. the fuck. <laughs> Well, I, I look at that situation and I just, uh, I caution myself when I run across it because I've been tempted to play with that a little bit. And then I remind myself, I don't know, I don't know who originated that despite the, the label. I don't know that I'm not going to be tapped into some Russian bot that's going to exploit my information for a nefarious purpose. So I would just offer that little cautionary note. The stuff that looks like fun sometimes serves an ulterior motive. I'll put it that way. Oh, I can understand that. But Gary, are, are, are you telling me that those aren't factual? So everything that I've been finding out about me and what I'm going to be is not true? It's true if you make it so. <laughs> well, was that a really good way of getting out of that one? <laughs> so, all right, I won't be too disappointed now. <laughs> You know, I, I find at this point in time, people are uh, in extremes, but uh, the extremes don't seem to involve too much happiness. Uh, there's a lot of fear and anxiety and, uh, you know, worrying about the coronavirus and all that kind of stuff going on. And, and I think that people are kind of naturally kind of looking at themselves because they're spending a lot more time with themselves. And I know for me, Vincent, I've got, I'm of two minds. And one mind is kind of this uh, kind, gentle person that says, you know, I need to go to the post office. Is there, is there anything I can take for you? And so I will run into a neighbor and I will offer some assistance so that they don't have to make that trip. And then there are other times when the other Suzanne comes out and I'm at the grocery store and I see somebody without a mask going down the wrong way of the aisle when they're all clearly marked with arrows all over the floor. And, uh, and, and I will shake my head no at them, like you are going the wrong way. And so between this kindly person and this very self-righteous, indignant person, what I wanted to ask you about was in your working with people at this particular time, and maybe they, some people are having the same kind of extremes I am, you know, a lot of compassion and the, at the same time, fear and anger showing up. What kind of things do you recommend to your clients to put them in a better place? What kind of daily practice can, okay. you, can you tell people to get out of that mind that wants to shake somebody by the throat and stay in that mind that wants to be helpful? The first thing that I say, and that's an excellent question, Suzanne, the first thing I tell everybody is first change your perception of what you're saying to start with. So I will do this for you right now. You, There is two minds of a human, the soulful mind and the human mind. But you are not talking when you become indignant 
You're not talking just from the human mind. I'm going to correct that. It's still your soul's mind. Re remember, we had great examples. We had Gandhi, you know, backmouthing the British whenever he needed to in order to make a point. We had um, Jesus turning over the tables in the temple whenever he needed to make a point, okay? That's what was meant by blessed are the righteous for righteousness sake. When you see somebody possibly doing harm or can cause harm to somebody else, standing up to them is still part of your soul's mind and understanding. That is not the human side. Now, taking a bat to that person because you're enraged and you hate them, now that becomes the human mind. But no, you have to first gently accept that you are going to feel that way, and it is okay, and it is righteous. That is not righteous indignation. That is correct righteousness, because that person without the mask, not even considering anybody else, not even considering the mere fact alone that there could be some poor woman or man walking down the aisle, going to the supermarket because they have nobody else to help them, and they have asthma, they have lung issues, they're, they're one of those people that are in the risk area, and now they come across a person who doesn't have a mask on, and they become more fearful. Even just that alone, if you can wear a mask to just keep a person from developing extra anxiety, but you're actually saying, I don't care. And that is a righteous reason to stand, not against that person, but stand for what is right. If somebody doesn't tell them, you are making a mistake, all right? You are going the wrong way and you are not being kind. Somebody has to tell them that. That is not indignation. That is righteousness, and it is correct righteousness. The next thing I would tell people is after you set your mind straight and give yourself a break and normalize some of your feelings and reactions, then I would say the fears, though, they come from a different place. It is not the coronavirus at this point, Suzanne, that people are afraid of. What this situation has done, and if I can liken this as to Imagine an empty gallon milk jug, one of those clear milk jugs. It's empty, though, okay? Imagine that as being part of your mind. And every single negative experience you've ever had in your life gets put into that jug. And it starts to fill up over time, right, as we get older. Now, one of the things that helps to empty out some of the garbage in that jug is any of the productive and constructive things that you do. Maybe you speak your feelings. Maybe the type of work that you do, it's very positive. You're a happy person. So you'll get to pour out some of the negativity that's held in that jug. But then, of course, another negative situation comes up, whatever it is, a fight, an argument, loss of job, a divorce, whatever, a crisis in the community or in the world, that jug gets filled up. And there's a cork on the top of it that helps keep that stuff in. Well, what this coronavirus did is now take all of this negativity and jam it into that jug. Not only did it crack the cap, it now takes all the stuff that was in that jug to start with and spews it over the top and out of the jug. People are not dealing with the current event fears. 
They're de dealing with their lifelong fears, their lifelong issues. And the reason why people now are being motivated to make changes in their lives is because their souls are telling them this is perfect timing. Do you see all the garbage you have held in? Change, change, get rid of it, grow, evolve, heal. I have had so many classes and people are, I, I can't have enough classes. I don't even have enough time because people are wanting, they're clamoring for growth and change because they want to empty out that jug because they see all that garbage. My clients are telling me, oh my gosh, I've done years of work on because of my childhood and I've taken care of that. Now all of a sudden it's coming back again. I don't understand what's happening. And that's this is exactly what's happening. The jug, and, and you can envision it yourself. What happens when you have a jug that's filled with water, but now you stick it under the faucet? Doesn't it take all of the water that was on the bottom and it pulls it out and pours it out of the jug, right? You can see that. As a matter of fact, that's how we rinse out things, right? We have an empty milk container we want to rinse out and we put it under the faucet and the faucet pushes the clear water down and moves the milk out of the container until there's nothing but the clear water in. Well, if you have nothing but negative going in, you're going to have negative and all that other garbage coming out. That's what's been happening. They have to understand that process as part two. So part one, you give yourself a break as to the anger that you may be having, unless they get too far. Part two is recognize that any of the doubts, the fears, the hatred, whatever that is really negative that is coming up is all because of unresolved issues. Part three, start dealing with them and heal them. There's books to read on how to do that, how to love yourself, how do you have to reparent yourself. John Bradshaw wrote an incredible book. It was back in the 70s. It was the same time that Wayne Dyer did his PBS series on um, the power of intentions. Um, John Bradshaw wrote The Homecoming, Reclaiming and Championing Your Inner Child. And he did all this inner child work, and he he... Uh, coined the phrase, reparent yourself. So you have to become a, another parent to give to your inner child what maybe you didn't receive when you were growing up. So you have to take that little kid with all those unresolved fears and angers and, and frustrations and I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, and work on that and heal that and change that. Now is the time to do it. And if you don't, you're missing the greatest opportunity. You're going to jam all that negativity back into the bottle again, and you're going to only experience worse later on in your life. Do it now. Now is the proper time. And turn to people. That's why people turn to me and other educators and practitioners like myself, though I'm one of the better ones, I would have to say. I'm going to give myself a toot my horn. <laughs> so, uh, no, jokingly, go and do something. Take a class. Go online and, and watch a video. Uh, take a seminar online. Whatever you need to, read a book. But do it to heal yourself and your inner child. Now is the time to do that. That's the advice that I would be giving. As I hear you talk about that, Vincent, I'm reminded of something that has occurred to me time and again during this pandemic, and that is the notion, I would even call it a central notion, though I can't verify it, time will tell. The notion is that 
when a pandemic comes along, something that has global repercussions. One of the effects of that overwhelming event is that structures, whether they be organizational, whether it be individual relationships, groups of people, something that would affect communities, including communities of nations, whatever no longer serves life, and by that I mean capital L, life, whatever does not serve is swept away in this tide of, in this case, a pandemic. As a result of all of that, there is the birthing of a new world, but not until what is old and useless or outmoded or harmful is removed perforce by the greater events that overtake us all for a time. You're absolutely right. And, and, and you know, it's so funny. It's, it's that I make so many biblical references. People think that I'm so religious. But no, um, part of I minored in religion purposely so that I can use some of the understanding of the past and what was written in that Bible to truly understand the meaning. Okay. The whole thing about when the Jews were freed from Egypt, and they actually had to travel in the desert 40 years before they found Israel, okay, until every generation that sinned had died out. The meaning of that is exactly what you're talking about right now. Anytime there is this type of crisis, that stuff, those old structures, those old policies, those old paradigms have to die out. But until they all do, which may take a grand time, the newness doesn't get to begin. And unfortunately, you can almost stop that process if you regain and, and hold on to those old practices. But they must die out. Now, I don't think it's going to need to take 40 years in order for that to happen, but close, close, I'm telling you. I mean, look at our civil rights right now, all right? When was the initial civil rights movement, and how many years ago was that, and we're still dealing with civil rights now? I mean, come on, it's like, and it hasn't fully changed or been let go of, right? So we have to understand that that process does take a long time, but it really is dependent upon how much we're willing to let go and how much we're willing to change. People ask me now, do you believe there's hope for us at the end of this? Is this going to, do we have hope that this is all going to change? And the only answer that I can give them, and if you were going to ask me the same question for my psychic prediction, this is the answer that I'm going to give. I am very hopeful that we can all make the right choice. I am very hopeful that we can all make the right choice. So now if you listen to that answer, it doesn't say anything about being hopeful that we are going to make the right choice. No, you're not talking about outcomes. No, I'm not talking about outcome because truly, I don't know, and there isn't a psychic on this planet who is legitimate, not even our guides, not even God knows the choice we're going to make. It would like to, I would like to be able to look at evidence from the past and figure statistically and the odds of making the right choice. But I don't want to do that. You know why? 
When was the last major crisis this, let's just say this country, when was the last major crisis this country experienced? Wasn't it September 11th? Well, that in the Great Recession of 08 and 09. That, that was, yeah, that, yes, totally, that led into that. But, but this, that, let's say it's even including both of them. Since that time, and, and from 9-11, in the beginning, everybody pulled together. And they were, they, you'd see the mass protests that we had now for everybody pulling together. Well, people pulled together in New York. People pulled together around the country. The world even supported us, didn't they? Yes. Okay, that was short-lived. Soon after that, do you know that in historically there has been more mass shootings, more killings, more war, more battles than ever before in the history of the United States? So if I and in the world, and if I'm supposed to use evidence that we have the hope of making the right choice, I can't use that evidence. There is none. It's what we do today. We must create something new. We can't keep repeating the choices we've made in the past. We're at a point where we can make new choices. And until we do, you will not find this coronavirus ending anytime soon. The, the evidence will be in the choices we make to care about each other. Isn't it funny? Think about this. I'm talking spiritual. Let's just go physical. Even every doctor who's reputable, they said out there, the only way you're going to knock down the numbers is if you wear a mask and you keep your distance. Why? Not just for you, but so that you don't spread it to your neighbor. So the doctors themselves are saying you have to care for your neighbor in order to heal this. I'm saying spiritually, that's the core of who we are. We're supposed to be caring. If we can't even make that choice to care, we don't deserve to be here. That's a powerful statement, Vincent. Uh, I would add as, as a parting note that it's great to care about others. It is necessary to do so without neglecting self-care. I'm still aware that there are millions of people in this world who will be only too happy to exploit people whom they perceive to be weak or vulnerable in some way. So charity does begin at home when it comes to self-care, and then you're that much stronger and more capable when you seek to help others. Vincent, thank you for being oh, with us God. today and you for this conversation. For having me, absolutely. And you can't care about others until you care about yourself first. You have to love yourself in order to love others, right? Perfect. Well said, Vincent. There's richly deserved. Thank we were there, we carry you around the studio on our shoulders. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Vincent. We'll do this again soon, and next time we will take some calls, ladies and gentlemen. It's always great to have Vincent Jenna with us. Have a great oh, weekend, everyone. Thanks.